Daily DVR Dives into Mindhunter is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Look good when you step out in the morning. Elevate your style. Go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today and save 20% on your order. No minimum. Use code DVR20. That's all you got to do. Use code DVR20 today and save 20% off your order. If you've got an event coming up, if you've got... If you just want to look good, go to cufflinks.com and they'll help you out. They've even got a blog over there that details how to get prepared for these big events and order everything for everyone. You know, that can be a hassle. Let cufflinks.com help you do that. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Welcome back to Daily DVR Does Mindhunter. My name is Axel. My co-host, of course, is Heath Santazo. And by the way, if you know what shirt that Tench was wearing on that date night, please email us. You can also find out more about us at dvrpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, also, at that's where you can email us. And you can also find us at dvrpodcast.com. We got a lot of other great podcasts we're doing just about to dive into Watchmen. I did want to take a moment here to tell everyone that we are going to be taking a little bit of a break on Mindhunter. We are we have committed and are excited to cover both seasons of the show and season three when it premieres, whenever that is. But I'm diving into Watchmen on HBO. You know, both Heath and I come from Lost Podcasting. We're big fans of Lost, The Leftovers. Damon Lindelof is doing Watchmen and my original co-host Aaron Otto from Lost Mythos. And also Roberto Suarez from A Pot of Cast, Jupiter's Roost. Uh, West Radio Westworld, he's going to be doing a weekly show with me too. Two shows a week, all about the Watchmen. So we're taking a break, but we're going to pick up on Mindhunter probably early 2020, January, maybe even December, depending when our schedule clears up. Uh, we're going to jump right back in. So we're going to give you these two final episodes of the season, episodes 9 and 10. Today we're going to be talking about Mindhunter Season 1, Episode 9. Um, and then we'll be back soon, but don't, don't, don't despair. Cause we love Mindhunter, right? Solo. Yep. We're just two ripe podcasters ready to talk Mindhunter, baby. Oh man. This show is so, we were just talking about that, about how each week, no matter, even if we've seen the episode, how many times we're still excited to talk about it. And this episode is again, I find so many little things that I didn't realize the other times. This is just such a marvelous show. It really is, Axel. And I, I, I rewatched it last night, and I was, oh, man, I was so into it. Uh, and, ah, this, this show just gets me every time. I think I'm going to get bored, but then I don't at all. And I'm like, oh, it's over? That's it? There's the music. It's over. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and just to tease a little bit, we're going to have... For season two, we're going to have a special guest, uh, someone who worked on Mindhunter. So that's all I'll give to you, but it's going to be fascinating. Uh, so that'll be in the new year. So we're going to have a little treats, and then maybe in between I'll do the DJ Solo Mindhunter Season 1 jam so you can rock out. So yeah. sorry to, to get on a tangent, but I just got excited. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like those. Yeah, I'm very excited about that guest too, man. That's oh, going to be very cool. We'll talk more about that later. but And hopefully we can do more stuff like that because 
joining the Facebook groups and talking to other people about this show and just seeing how many people really love it and how many people do appreciate it, not only for the true crime aspect, but just that it is a fantastic television show. You know, you don't have to be interested. It's like I would sell Game of Thrones on some people. Hey, you might not be in a fantasy, but this has great politics. It has great drama, human emotion. That's how I feel about Mindhunter. You don't have to be into serial killers, into crime to love this show because the acting, everything in it is spectacular, especially this episode. Um, Let's just get right into it, man. We start off with another cold open. BTK out of it, at it again. He seems to be, what was your take on this? He's in a house. He seems to be frustrated that he can't do a kill. Yeah. You know, that's right. Axel. Amazing. He's in a house. No, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. And, and at he's first I'm like, yeah, he's on, a, <laughs> he's on, a, the house starts moving and it's a trailer. No. Uh, yeah. He's in a house and I don't know about you. I don't think it's his, right? It feels like what we've been building up to, like the a uh, couple episodes ago when he lays out everything on the bed, his kill stash yep. and his arrangement. And because he gets so frustrated, the clock ticks and, you know, he finishes the water, he cleans the glass, he sets up the little towel back where it should be, and he walks out the door. And then we see a shot of the front of the house, almost like, remember this house. And so I'm thinking, wait, is he was he going there to do his kill, but no one was home? Did, is that what you got out of it, Axel? Yes, that is what I okay. got. You know, because he's all prepared. He's got gloves on, his parka. It looks, you know, it looks like he could be carrying his little tool bag. Or I don't know if at some point we see him put his hand in something. I'm looking at it now. But yeah, he's looking out the window. He's almost like he's waiting for someone to come home. Or he's frustrated that they're not there. And I just love these. You know, we talked a little bit about the timing. And whether or not we ever see BTK, whether that ever becomes a focus case, which they would have to go, in order to interview him, it would have to be 30, it's like, what is it? Yeah, nearly 30 years after this. Right. Yeah, because well, like around 2013 or 2015. Yeah, it's late so, that he gets caught. So, yeah, because doesn't he? Um, isn't there a point where BTK stops killing for so many years? I, believe, it, am I Yeah, I, I believe there was. I, I I would have to again. I I'm not an expert on the um, serial killer. I would have to look that up, but I do believe that that's correct. That he went dormant for a long period of time. Because um, I'm I'm confusing him, Axel. A little bit. There's a. There was a kill. It could be the same one. It was like a uh, animal control. Do you, do you remember what serial killer that might be? He like you know. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> well, I know. And then I think that's the one that for 20 years didn't do anything. It could be BTK. He maybe switched jobs. I apologize. I should know this stuff. Um, sorry, Mine Hunter listeners. You're probably <laughs> throwing okay. the iPods around and the phones and be like, "Come on, Solo. You should know it's." You know, Axel TK from Green River. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure. But either way, yeah, either way. it doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't matter in a sense because I think we both agreed that these, these little snippets are so interesting to get 
um, like a show don't tell. They do so much telling on this show and exposition of explaining about their methodologies that it's so interesting to see a serial killer in the act with the emotion, the frustration, especially this, even that little thing when he mails the letter, just so mysterious slice of life. Yeah. Stephen King, like, you know, like it could happen in your town and they don't need to ever expand on it. For me, he's kind of like the most famous, you know? Yeah. And it could be just if they continue, because like we were talking off air, I'm not sure if it was last episode or off air, how, I mean, would they time jump and do the BTK? You know what? This might be just a B story where during the main cases they're going through, this is there because it's important to the whole behavioral um, science profiling because think about how he eluded uh, yep. catch for so long. You know, yes. we, we talked about Ed Kemper, like he got bored, he got caught. So that's what the underlying theme might be is as good as they're getting. And as the FBI is changing and they're really getting boom profiles and they're, you know, catching killers, that might be just the one that got away for so long. And we're just seeing how, Maybe how he does get away. So yeah, um, that's great. either way. Yep. Yeah, either way, I'm I'm very interested. And we don't, you know, because you had mentioned, you know what, you know what, Solo. If if we don't if we don't solve BTK, I'm okay with that. And I'm like, you know what, knowing David Fincher, he'll stay true to the real facts. He's not gonna all of a sudden be like. I mean, you could see 2013 and Holden's kid or something, but. Or someone different, but, <laughs> or an eighty-year-old mind old hunter, the next generation. So we'll see. Mind hunter. Well, that's a good. You mentioned Fincher because he directed episodes one and two, and he directs episodes nine and ten. Yeah. And I feel like one of the interesting things that you can see from a de- directorial standpoint is that he did work pretty hard to solidify a look in the first two episodes. But then when he comes back around for the last two, and I do believe that they did some, not complete order, but somewhat in order that there was a break between when he directed, you can see the way he doesn't try to come back with flourish. It's just the style, his style is a, is present. And this Mm -hmm. is a great well shot episode, but it doesn't have some of the, um, marquee shots that were more present in the first episode where he's kind of creating the, the, the look of the show in the pilot. So I found that to be really interesting because when I sat down to rewatch this again, I said, one of the things I want to do is try to pick out Fincher stuff. And I couldn't pick out too much. I mean, there's stuff there, but he really kind of pulls back a little bit and lets the characters and the story, and especially the actors, take over. Um, and this episode is some great acting, especially from where we start out, Jack Erty, uh, who is playing Speck. Oh, oh my God. This dude. <laughs> Doesn't he look like wow. an older, weathered brother of Brad Pitt? That, that's that's pretty good. He could he's be. Got that, he's got that, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, Jack. Uh, I was trying to look up some of the other stuff he's been in. Jack Erdy. He was. I remember him in Out of the Furnace, which was a Christian Bale. Oh well, they that played Pearl great. Jam at the beginning of that movie. Yeah, that was release. a. That is a. That's a little known. Anybody out there see that Out of the Furnace? I really enjoyed that. That was yeah. Scott Cooper. I think he ended up. Wasn't he the guy who wrote? Um, he oh yeah he wrote a bunch of stuff oh actually he was a writer on the X Files for a little bit you know that oh I did not oh he was an actor he was on the X Files look we're we're oh. diving deep but anyway uh, yeah. Jack Jack Erdy is fantastic as Richard Speck and we kind of start out with Holden and Tench sitting in a car and Holden's like going through his scrapbook <laughs> and he's telling him about how this summer that this happened really changed him. It was so important. And there's a real, we're just coming off him seeing um, Debbie with Roger, right? Right. That, um, the, that right was for you, Donald. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, the stuff at the FBI where Shepard was on him and he's defending himself, um, with the way that he behaved with the principal and what happened with the principal as well. And really kind of holding on a spiral. And then it's like, he's grasping, as we said, onto the work, you know, and diving right into one of his fantasy cases. But, uh, let's talk a little bit about the acting here and spec and even how they enter the, the little part about the kind of almost like a reverse perp walk where they walk yeah. the cops in front of the perps. Yeah. And uh, you know, Bill is pissed off cause it's not what they agreed to. They like to go back entrance. So it doesn't look like, you know, who they're interviewing is being a snitch. And so, and then the, the, uh, what are the deputy warden? I guess they call him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like, ah, eh. and he's talking about the pink paint and like, it's supposed to soothe their minds while wow, they licked and eat, ate it off as soon as we were painting it. But, um, and then, you, you know, this is the first time we actually get introduced to spec from behind in his jail cell yelling because they're tossing his cell. And, you know, usually they come in just into the interrogation interview slash interview room, but we actually see him right away. And we, we realize this guy is, gonna be unique <laughs> and you know and axel what, what's really interesting is tench really takes control easing him because he doesn't want to talk he doesn't want to and tench really takes control in his way where tench is such as we said he's a tough guy but then he knows people and he knows how to handle people calmly and when a tough guy is calm you almost have to respond in the right way and uh one thing i gotta i i gotta say before we deep dive into the scene but well, I guess we're already doing that. Um, the bird with Richard Speck. And <laughs> Holden is like, oh. And there's this look Bill Tench gives him. Like, what the hell? Like you were talking about, this is like his fantasy, his um, celebrity crush almost of serial killers. And the look Bill gives him, like, really, bro? It's, it's hilarious. Yeah, throughout this whole thing. You can see the way that Holden, I mean, as soon as Speck enters, they give you a nice close-up, top-lit, it's almost angelic, right, of Holden's Mm -hmm. face kind of lighting up as Speck walks in, you know, and he takes interest in his tattoo, right, the bird. Um, 
you can tell that he so quickly wants to enter into that friendship. I don't know any other way to say it. It's uncomfortable because this interview and later on, Wendy and, and Bill will disagree with this where Bill is kind of saying, what did we really get out of this? And I think he's really more saying like, is this just kind of holding choosing we're letting this kid choose these really famous serial killers because he kind of likes them. You know, he wants to be around them. Um, though I disagree, and I think Wendy does too in the way that they are getting valuable information. But this is probably in the other ones, and I don't know if you felt this way, but even with Kemper, I kind of felt that Tench and Holden were working together and they were getting something. Whereas in this one, it is kind of apparent that Holden is really just taking any any road he can to get to like normalizing the situation in his mind, which is really by commiserating with him, not interviewing him. Yeah, it's a it, you know it's it's so weird because with with Kemper, <laughs> Kemper, uh, that was like the gold mine, like the hit record. Mm-hmm. Your first interview, you know, and then everyone else kind of has been so different and weird. And he's almost trying to create that magic again. And it just, yeah, he's, it just, it works for most of it, but is it really the right way to do this? And where I start, I would start getting mad at Wendy. Come on, Wendy, just let him do his thing. But you know what? This is what I call the caucus it's when uh, Holden starts to get really cocky yes. and starts to be above the work and that he is the golden boy. And he doesn't give a damn no. about consequences in FBI. And, you know, it really took me a few episodes. I mean, I knew he was getting cocky. I mean, I, I, I saw it. But I'm really, really monitoring that now. And I see in it, it it's like crystal clear now. I was probably 90%. Oh, yeah, you know. But that extra 10%, I'm like, oh, my God. He does sound like an asshole. Yeah. And yep. it really does. But he gets him to talk, but uh, it, it's tough. I mean, he uses the, you know, who gave you the right to take eight ripe beep um, out of the world. Um, and, and, and even Bill is uncomfortable. And he's like, what? And it's just like, but he freaking, you know, spec opens up and is like, man, you're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's strange because they do remember we are also coming from Wendy again pushing you've got to stay with the questions that we have pre-planned, right? Right. I right. mean, I keep on thinking about this like a football game where you plan out the first 15 plays, right? And then <laughs> yes. you see the way the game goes. That's really what she's saying. She's saying stick to the script in the beginning. And Bill is trying to. He's asking questions. When you did this, how did you feel? What was your motive? Did you think the girl, did you want to rape the girl? Did you want to kill them all at first? What was your motivation? And then Holden interrupts him and first says, hey, can I see your tattoo? Yeah. yeah. Can I see your tattoo? And then he continues. Yeah. Then once that intro's there, it's very soon after that. That he gets into, you know, the 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 eight ripe, which we both don't want to say because just yeah, I, I have a hard time say, saying yeah, that word. I, we don't have to. We don't have people watch <laughs> okay. the show. 
You know what I mean? And I I don't like that either. And and the the kind of talk that goes on here and how misogynistic it is and how dark it is and cruel and inhumane and just even the way uh, Holden raising touches him and raises his sleeve and stuff. He's just not, he's not in the right place to be doing this. And because we as viewers have seen what's going on in his personal life, we see the way Bill's reacting to it, which was hard, but probably positive that he was like broke down to his wife. Holden's just not at that point, And he's just indulging himself in it. It's very hard to watch, but yeah, you're right. And, he gets good stuff. Yeah. And you know, he's, you know, Holden is doing it right, but not the right tactics. What I mean is, what really Speck responds to is the nature of his celebrity. Like, he wants right. his name. Like, you're interviewing other people. Point. Oh, we'll leave your name out of it. No, no, I want people to know. And it's very um, – so that's what Speck responds to. He's put up on this pedestal, but it's just the way Holden's doing it. I mean, it might be the only way he can do it. I mean, because honestly, it, it, if he didn't say the right – line it really because i mean specs heads down he's like yada he's not even answering bill i mean granted they 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 ditch the script early or holden does but it's that line that perks him up and then after that he he he's indulging him but he's not at least he's not going super super far but yet where's the line i mean the fact that holden's response later on of why he did it that's what i don't like yeah yeah. You know, it's like, hey, Wendy, listen, I was out of line. I, I This was not the way to go, but I just felt in the moment it was. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It was wrong. It'll never happen again. Or at least, but he doesn't care. He goes, no, I can do whatever the hell I want. And that's where I have the issue with him in yeah. this. I totally agree with you. You're, you're, you're right. Because he does, he doesn't go totally off the rails, right? Like, this isn't a sh- this isn't a situation, and I'm glad this isn't a type of show where they have to dramatize it. By then, he just continues talking like that endlessly, right? And mm-hmm. they're laughing about murder. No, he's not becoming a serial killer. He is lost in this world, and he is emotionally unstable at this point, yeah. and not really understanding where the boundaries are. But he does, you know, vacillate back and forth between going over the line. But then he comes back and he does ask good questions of him, right? Yeah. What what happened to that last girl? Because they want to find out. Was it like Bill later says where he was in such a frenzy he didn't kill the girl who opened the door? Yeah, he just lost count. And it, right. <laughs> a lot of and blood it, everywhere. And he just – but they get like – Axel, like information that you wouldn't have gotten. I mean, he's literally mm-hmm. telling them, this is why oh, I could have had sex with them all, but it was just too many of them. And, uh, you know, I had to subdue them and put them here. And, you know, and he's justifying everything, which is interesting. And again, Axel, he uh, this is a common theme with a lot of these serial killers. It's like, why'd you kill her? Well, she just wouldn't shut up. Yeah. She just would. You know, and I'm finding... Man, everyone, that seems they want them quiet. Is that a mother thing? Is that of, you know, going through life with an abusive mother and she just is constant nagging? I mean, there's probably different levels of why. Uh, Or he's trying to listen to the voices in his head. You know, I don't know. But that seems to be such a common theme. They just talk too much. 
And it's, I mean, also maybe it says something to the difference between fantasy and reality. Yes. Okay. Right? There you go. Like yeah. so much of their, so much of this. And as I think both Kemper and Bruto said it too, a very vivid fantasy life, you know, yeah. where they imagine it to be this way. And the one thing they don't imagine is that someone, you know, it's just going to be like, stop or help me, help me. You know what I mean? Or lose their shit. Right. And when it happens, it doesn't correspond with that. And I think that's kind of where Wendy is interested in what Bill's saying about he loses his shit and he just forgot who he was killing. And then Holden's like, there's so much blood. Right. And it's kind of more so that that reality is much different from the weird fantasies that they have. Um, and uh, he ends up throwing the bird, which re- each time shocks me. <laughs> yeah, I, me too. <laughs> I know I know it's coming, but I've, I'm so lost in the interview, uh, I forget it's coming. And you they know? do a great cut too, where the hand, and then they back to the behind the fan. That's just, that was Fincher, man. That was, I was like, bam, that was there smooth, man. Yeah, because as soon as, uh, Holden questions his manhood because he says, you know, I, you know, you commit, you're trying to kill yourself. You know, I wasn't trying to kill myself. Mm-hmm. I got into a bar fight and okay. So you got both your wrist cut in the bar fight, but then Holden comes back when he asks the next question, he's like, so when you tried to kill yourself and then boom, that he, so he keeps going at it. He gets cocky there yeah. and he just goes there. Like, uh, you know, instead of saying, okay, like he did with uh, Brutos when Brutos was like, well, if you, if the person was going to kill her, what would she have done? Would he have done this? And then he starts to answer. He doesn't use that approach with spec. He goes in and then spec throws the bird and is like, I'm done here. All right, you fools. Yeah. It's really, oh. he, he's what, what, what a short, I think it's a six minute scene. Uh, what an actor's paradise Mindhunter is, right, Solo? Jeez. They oh. bring you in just to steal the show away, right? Like- yeah, it's like a one-act play. You're, I mean, it's great, it's six minutes, but it's like you're allowed to shine. Yeah. And they're getting these right character actors. I mean, and I don't mean character actor as a bad thing. Like, a lot of people associate character. It's actually a very good thing. Uh, yeah. But these guys who just, you know, they, they, they lose themselves in this role and they just shine and it's... Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. I'd really like to know, you know, I would love to be able to get to read for a Mindhunter episode. But uh, the, uh, you know, the process, I mean, a pre-read, probably a callback, maybe another session and then a screen. T- I mean, there's they probably do like movies where a lot of TV you'll go out. Like today I went out for a TV show. You go in there, you run the scene, one or two takes and that's it. And they cast off the tape. Some will yeah. give you a callback, and then some you get a callback, then a producer session, like for a lot of network TV. My snowfall was just one session, which was actually shocked me because I was approved by the network pretty quickly and got the job. Where a lot of times, especially network TV, you have to go and, and do it in front of the suits, and they got to approve you. So everything, things are happening quicker now, and a lot of people are just watching the tape and making decisions off there instead of bringing you back a thousand times. But with Mindhunter, I got to believe it's either people Fincher has worked with before, some of the producers, and they they have more time to get the casting down, and it yeah. shows. I think I remember um, 
I was doing a little bit of reading and I think it varied. And because the production and it's Fincher and all the directors are very seasoned that they're using a lot of, I think with happy and I think he was just, I think they didn't even, I think they asked him to do it. I remember it was either him or Kemper or something that they were like, you need to do this role. Um, But I also read something else about sometimes them doing, um, uh, makeup tests before the casting right to see that they can look like that person that's very interesting you know which is rare right that's very rare Um, but and i heard something about i got i gotta find that article because i could be incorrect because that is such a rare thing to hear about doing something like that but you can see that when a person is when they're trying to because they do make an effort to cast the people do end up looking so much like the real people um, and I love the way they show that they make an effort f- for some things to be very real, whereas they dramatize so much more of it, you know, and I'm very, mm-hmm. always very comfortable with that because um, like there was a discussion on one of the Mindhunter Facebook things about how maybe they change some things in the personal lives of the, you know, and I said, that's fine. That's always fine with me, right? This is a, this is a dramatization. This is a television show. I actually prefer that we know that it's less like their real life, <laughs> you know, like well, for privacy reasons, not the serial yeah. killers. I mean, are holding intent, you know? Yeah, I, I, I like that it's a mixed bag and it's yeah. it's because you have to do that. It, they're fictional characters anyway. I mean, if if Holden was playing John Douglas, then right. it'd be like, OK, everything needs to be. But Fincher does. They put it as close as they can also change what goes what's true to the character and true to the show and that's what makes it so great we don't need every single thing um dot da, 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 da. We, with the serial killers and that that's fine we're not going to get because honestly like you said it might be a little boring you know yeah, definitely. It, 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 we need more like having the deb character that's not in the book but it added so much to this season Yes, exactly. They these these heighten our understanding of not only the characters but also the themes because mm-hmm. obviously as we've come to see the home lives of our main three characters especially are mirrors of their jobs and is such a so thematically just blends together and that's because they wrote it that way. Yeah. You know, cuz it's not real. Yeah. <laughs> and so then they're, when they're on the flight together uh, to move forward uh, with Holden and Bill, Bill literally is like, lose the tape. Yeah. And Holden's getting cocky. They're like, whoa, 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 why would I lose the tape? You know, blah. He's like, just, you know, and he's giving him advice. And Holden is just not taking Because even, you know, he has to repeat the, the ripe line to uh, Holden on the plane. And... He's just like, come on. And Holden just doesn't care. Yeah, I know. He says, it's disgusting. I didn't want to be a part of it. And he's like, when did you get so thin skinned? And then he, and then I don't, I don't remember if it's here or later. He calls him a pussy, which is so again with the misogynist. that was before. Wasn't that before? Oh, when when he decides he's not going to go to Oregon with with them to go see. Oh yeah, you're right. Well, I why like he's keep those words are creeping in there you know yeah and it's it, it, as we saw with uh the last episode 
when the teacher was choosing the words and how we saw earlier in the season when Holden has the words changed, how nomenclature, words that they use are so important. And then slowly but surely, some more of these kind of words that Holden hears from their serial killers, from their interview subjects are creeping into his vocabulary. And he's using words like that. Um, and you're right. Again, he doesn't respect that great balance that they had before where Bill knew about the FBI and the cops and the system and Holden knew a little bit more about the criminals and the mindset and the new way of thinking. And Bill here is trying to respect Holden. He didn't stop the interview. He didn't walk him out. He didn't, right? Mm -hmm. He respectfully went on with the interview, even though he was uncomfortable. And then he told him on the plane, lose the tape, bro. You stepped over (laughs) the line. And he doesn't want to listen to him. And I mean, it happens throughout this episode, especially in this one, I was watching it. There's four or five times when Holden easily could have solved this problem. Right. But his hubris goes over. I mean, even to the point where all he had to do, these are old tapes. He just had to listen to it, get to the part right before he says it, hit record, go, hey, can you get some milk? Uh, You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> hey, Tench, get me a soda, you know, and like talk and then stop it again and go, oh, I. I my I sat down on the recorder and the tape was in it, you know, yeah, but he sure. like keeps on going with it. It's like he, it's again, it's like the serial killer solo. It made me think he wants to get caught. Yeah. Or he's trying to push whatever limit yeah. he thinks he can. Yep. And, uh, um, because, you know, when we get to Greg transcribing the tape, um, we do. We do quickly though see uh, Deb at the laundromat and the look exchange they give each other, yeah. and, and Deb just looks like, "Hey, I know I was kind of caught, but I'm sorry, <laughs> but at the same time, you know." And then he goes in the laundromat, but that's it. So we we're, it. we're waiting to see what happens. But I like that because you're like, "Yeah, does he just keep walking or does he go in, Axel?" And the thing is. You know, holding the way his caucasance is going, I thought he was just going to walk away, but he does go in. Yeah. He does go in. He needs her. And you hear that same haunting music as when he pulled into Quantico at the end of last episode that I pointed out. I love it. It's almost like their theme in a way, I think. Maybe Matt Murdock of uh, podcast Winterfell fame might know that. Oh, yeah. Keys to Mindhunter. Um, <laughs> but uh oh, that'd be awesome it's so beautiful man i could just listen it's like you're f- it's it's just like an emotional outer space it's just like little tones ding ding do do and yeah she gives him a sad look but it's also isn't it kind of like he's stalking her he keeps on uh, like appearing at the front steps walking past the laundry I'm just getting all these little these little ways they're shooting him his his language that they're like he's becoming more so the serial killer kind you know like that side of oh, him is like taking over not that he's going to be a serial killer no, but no, again no, that but... you know that world that darkness is inhabiting him you know cuz you cuz what I was thinking was he happens to walk by do they live really close together <laughs> I guess they or, must, you know. Or, or, you know, Holden maybe drove. I, I don't know. But 
now that I think about it, I thought it was a chance meeting, but it just, it, it's got to be more than that. Yeah. Maybe he kind of knows she does her laundry at a certain yeah. day and he decides to walk by. I mean, that's very possible because mm-hmm. he's getting lonely. Yeah. yeah. He's, he has he's... no one to talk to about his stuff. He doesn't yeah. care about anyone else's stuff, but his. If it was today, he'd be, he'd be stalking her on Facebook, <laughs> <laughs> liking posts he shouldn't even be looking at. Um, (laughs) well, now we get back to Quantico, um, and, uh, Holden, uh, yeah, as you said, we, we, we kind of, we kind of cut right in, um, with, uh, Smithy over there. Smithy. Doing the, uh, he's typing typing away. This guy really turned out to be such an interesting, weird character. The way he's just typing is such a good actor, man. Dude, he's like, I mean, wonder if he went to school for that or he just, whoa, he's cruising. I know. I still do hunt and peck. I got to admit, I still type at like three fingers. Hunt and peck. I'm like, I'm like, what, wait, what, what, what serial killer thing is that? Hunt and peck. Oh, you mean, oh. Yeah. Beep, beep, I got you. One at a time, baby. <laughs> but he brings it up right away. Um, Holden and Tench kind of have a look. And then he, he Holden walks over. He picks up the transcript. He says, some of this stuff may have not made it to, you know, but maybe may best be kept off the permanent record. And then you get a classic. This is so Fincher. I just have to point out this, this shot where... The camera's there and the paper kind of moves into the frame and then comes into focus, which oh. is kind of like an old school film. They don't really do that a lot anymore. Mm-hmm. A lot of times now they just shoot it real quick. But Fincher is an old school director in many ways. Uh, and I love the little things like this, just like you see people walking into a door instead of just sitting at the desk. Like the little touches that this show adds. I, I just love it, and that's present. And then a nice close-up of Holden, and that's what he ends up doing. He ends up taking it out. Um, audio malfunction. Audio malfunction. Uh, hey, that's didn't what you? He writes. What, it was very weird, and maybe he's just on a rampage. But Greg, you would think when he's typing and hearing that, he would have been like, "Wait, that seems weird." But he just goes ahead and types it like it's just another day at the office. Did you find that weird? Yeah, you know, I did, but I also think that since his last encounter with Holden, he kind of thinks that's the way things run around here. Okay, okay, yeah, that that's kind of what I um, felt, but I just, you know, I find myself thinking of certain things about these, now that I know these characters so well, and I'm really, feel like I'm in the room with them, I, I, I'm asking some of these questions that I wouldn't have asked with one viewing, you know? My so. guess would be that I would interpret it and his character as he doesn't think it's right. He thinks he crossed the line, but he also is the type to fall in line, right? And follow mm-hmm. authority. So I think he kind of is trying to get along as best as he can. But obviously, in the end, he really doesn't think it's right. Yeah. Did you notice, too? <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, cough drops. Um the uh, Holden is really trying to bring Greg along. Yeah. And again, he's getting too cocky where he's trusting him. He, I mean, he says, you know, a mole for Shepard, but yet he's trusting him <laughs> exactly. with everything. Yep. It's like he, like you said, he wants, it's almost bad like he judgment. wants to be caught. Yep. Bad judgment. He has yeah, bad judgment. 
Greg, you're coming with us. You know, it's just like, I don't know. It, it doesn't it just... make, you're totally right, dude. The one guy who said he's Shepard's mole, he then uses him twice in a row to deceive him, even though he already knows that he already went and told Shepard last time. I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't get it. It's just bad judgment. You know, is he's not all? He's not a good... Holden is not a great... He is a, he is a good, I guess, investigator, but not a good cop. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Um, and he's just young, and he's obviously not making, not making good decisions. But... This next conversation is amazing. And oh, yeah. and Wendy and Holden and Tench and uh even Smith are kind of is is Smith in this one? Let me let me yeah. let me look. He's oh, yeah. in the doorway. They're kind of the firing on all cylinders, man. They're they're really getting into the this is such a fantastic scene where they just they're talking about spec, but then they also get into the whole um, the way to dif- differentiate between a spree killer um, like Whitman and Speck, who's a serial killer. Um, they start talking about terminology, sequence killer, and Bill's like, it's too cadenced. And then at, I, I even marked it down, at 2101 in episode nine of Mindhunter is the first time that Bill Tench says serial killer. Right. And and as soon as you hear it, you get the chills, right? And you're like, wow, just this little office, this little conversation. Holden's going nuts. Tench has got a bad family life. There's cats going on. (laughs) (laughs) But they sat in this room and they used their minds and they just let everything go. And they just opened up and had these great conversations. And I love this aspect of the show. Yeah. And even Wendy, like, again, the great writing. Um, she even like, wait, whoa, whoa, why did Speck all of a sudden become forthcoming? Like, it just like all of a sudden happened, you know, she picks up on that with the audio malfunction, you know, like yep. it feels like, yep, something's not right here. This is, this is odd. And, and you, you know, but in her analytical mind, she's trying to figure out, well, why, why is that? I mean, there's gotta be a reason and the logistics are there, but there, she doesn't know yet. So, um, that, that I found that interesting. Because they kind of, but then they kind of go to, a, you know, change it or, you know, oh, yeah, well, this and, you know, and she's like, okay, okay. And then they keep going on with this, yeah, this great scene. Oh, um, I love it. And Wendy just, is amazing. I mean, she really is. I love yeah. Anna Tour, Fringe Days. She has been one of my favorites. I loved Fringe, which I've, which is not available to stream right now, by the way. Crazy, because I was thinking maybe we should do a Fringe rewatch. Oh, dude. Well, I've only seen the first season. Whoa. Oh, yeah, Solo. So I would I'm love dying to, to watch see the it whole with thing. you. Okay. Yeah. We're going to do that someday. We got to do that because because of this, I'm like, damn, I got to go back to Fringe. Because I really liked it. I just, I don't know why I stopped. Um, I'm just eventually... I'm monitoring the Blu-ray because it was like at 50 or 60 bucks. I was going to buy it. It jumped up to like 90. So when it comes down around Black Friday or whatever, I'm going to grab I'm trying it. to think. That was produced by Fox Studios for Fox. And now... Because it was on Netflix for a period of time. Yeah. Like a while but ago. then they took it off. And yeah. f- now that Fox Studios has split 
from Fox. Like, you know, Fox News and Fox are not the same anymore, the entertainment outlet. Mm-hmm. And then it was, I can't, I think that's what Warner Brothers absorbed. It might be coming on the new HBO. I can't even remember. But anyway, she just takes over the room. This is great. And you see why they all are a great team, right? For yep. all the craziness going on and how hard this is. And let me just take a moment to say, too, I don't blame Holden. I don't blame, te- like, I couldn't imagine waking up every day and having to be around so much death and talking directly to the men who committed it and, and being a part. This is such an incredibly difficult job i couldn't like it's just like you know whatever anyone says about cops law enforcement soldier whatever your political opinions are you can never deny that a day-to-day life where that's what you deal with is incredibly difficult physically and especially psychologically um but it's great to see them be free of that for a moment and just kind of get into the science and yep, and yep. and fire up those brain cells and it's just a great scene. Um moving on, we move into Holden is back hanging out with uh with Deb, but they're and Barney Miller's on TV, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are not getting along again. They're still kind of like, you know, they're trying, but I don't know. They don't seem it doesn't really seem to be that they really worked through anything. They're just kind of back together and then the guy, uh, the doorman calls, and it's uh, someone downstairs for you, um, and it is the principal's wife. Yes, that sounds like a, that sounds like a spinoff. Yeah, Mrs. Wade. Wife. Um, <laughs> and this scene is Holden versus Wade. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, we talk often about the kind of time differences here, and especially we talked about it with Wade. And it's like his wife came to Holden's house. If this was today, Holden would ha- uh, be like, can you please call? I'm calling the police. Hold her downstairs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. he would not go out in the hallway and talk to her. What did you think of this scene? You know, I get the why the wife did it, but I wanted Holden to say he was tickling other children's feet. That is not appropriate. <laughs> like it just—I know. She, I mean, she's mad at him, and now he—he's—you know—is the friends won't look at him, and he can't find a job in three states. And and the one thing that pissed me off <laughs> the most, which is not, she goes, "Well, my daughter's in high school. We—it's impossible to move." I'm like, "I did it. I did it in my life. I moved in high school. <laughs> like, yeah, easy, woman. No, but I mean, I get where she's coming from. I mean, they have a great oh, life. Yeah." And, 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 but one thing I caught this time was, you know, he's depressed. He's sitting in front of the TV with no signal on staring at the snow. And is it, is it the fact that he lost his job or is the fact that now he has, he can't be around kids. Yeah. He can't. And that creeps me out. He has no more feet to tickle. You don't know. You can't touch him. You don't know. (laughs) I know, but I'm just saying, geez. Yeah, like, it's just the human side, right? Like, yeah. regardless of whether what, regardless of whether Holden was right or wrong, which we, which is debatable and would have probably used some more investigation, um, we do know that it really was not his place to 
be involved in this, right? So uh, as far as his job goes, but also on the human level, he did not seem to even comprehend. He was so set on, we got to save the world. I got to save the kid, you know, find these serial killers that he didn't really conceive of the fact that this man could have children. He could have a family. He could, it could affect other people in the community, other teachers who liked him. Maybe the school changes and those kids get a worse education. It's just kind of seeing a serial killer, not only as an entity or an act as an entity, but seeing it, how, what the boundaries are, which is what Holden's having problems with. And, and, I just have to say the wife here, what acting here. She's the elevator doors. Closed. Oh, I love that. And she keeps oh. pressing it. What a, oh what a God. way to add to the tension great. of that scene, Axel. Yeah. To have those, the elevator, her pressing the button. You're like, is this going to end? Like, you're so uncomfortable. And it, oh, what a great, simple, really a simple shot scene, if you will. But yet so much is going on. And then when Deb creeps out too. It's it's just like oh my god it's it just it was really well done, and uh so you know it's tough because I don't like him tickling feet and giving nickels, um, but then again you know the kids are happy and they're getting good education, they have a family like you said and it, I don't think Holden I don't think he thought about that no he no. was too lost in his serial killer mode. No, and it's yeah, and this also just so brings forth what he's ignoring, which is his own his own emotionality, his own psychology. And then when she says to Debbie, get out while you still can. Yeah. You know, you don't know who you're with, this man. And unfortunately as a viewer, though I love Holden's character and see the great things he's done and how he's in a, in many ways, helping our society, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it is true. At what sacrifice? And uh, this is a great scene. Yeah, it is shot a lot of over the shoulder, down the hallway. We never get like really too close to her. It's kind of from Holden's pers- and, uh, yeah. and Debbie's perspective, which is a great technique to use. Um, moving on from that, we get another great little. Uh, I don't know if it's great, but we get a little scene <laughs> with. Uh, with um Wendy and the cats just really quickly she just leaves some uh leave leave some uh hear something or I don't even know what's going on she oh um, oh, she oh went yeah to grab wait. the tuna that she left for the cat ants in the tuna and then the maggots or ants or whatever <laughs> that's what I told you when we first started Mindhunter I mentioned that as a joke yeah I got yeah. Maggots in my tuna, and you're like, "Oh, solo, that's terrible." I'm like, "No, no, the show. It was a joke." <laughs> I forgot that part. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about this now. Okay, well, I have to. All right, this is the conclusion of three or so scenes where Wendy leaves is in her own place, and then she leaves food for the cat. She doesn't see the cat, but the cat eats it. Now the the answer there, the cat's gone. Right. What? What? It, why is this in the show? Okay. Okay, I got a a deep parallel to this. Maybe I've been thinking about this for like two years, and I, I, I you know, I, I first go, well, she's alone, she's taking care of a cat, and then now it's gone. You know, it's gone. What does that mean? And all that. I think it's 
it, it seems to me it parallels her getting in deeper with the FBI. She just came as a favor, consultant, then all of a sudden funding. All of a sudden she's getting into arguments with everyone and being the boss. And it almost seems like she is uh, working with them and, and, and going along in life. And it seems like, well, I could leave at any time. And I think this just symbolizes once you give and you give and you give that eventually it's, it, it, it may not turn out the way you want. Mm. And eventually people leave and, and, and people get up, get out of your control. So I just feel like it's where she's at in this whole FBI mix Mm-hmm. where she's in too deep, she can't get out now, it's not going the way she planned, there's going to be obstacles, and you know maybe the peop- people around you, they'll come and, and give you information and work with you, but yet they're on their own. So I, I was kind of thinking of that. Um, I, you know, I really don't know. That's what just kind of popped into my head, because I'm trying to justify because why would they show this? It, I, I don't think it's just simple. There's got to be more to it. Come on, Axel. Help me out. Throw me an olive branch. I'm sinking here. Okay, so I thought exactly what you thought, and this is why we've been podcasting for 11-something years. Um, I thought exactly what you thought. I thought it was a metaphor for her life, lack of control. Um, She keeps on coming back to things, right, studying things, but sometimes what you study is death or the absence of something and it, it or like you said it doesn't pan out the way you thought right mm-hmm. now on one of the facebook mind hunter uh groups someone linked to an article in which fincher says there's some metaphor in it but also they were communicating that there might be a serial killer, a kid killing animals in her apartment building. Oh. <laughs> and it was kind of hinting towards that in the same way. I'm saying this. He didn't. In the same oh. way we're seeing snippets of BTK that something like that may touch your life and you don't realize it, that the ki- some kid killed the cat. See, that's what I first thought, Axel, when I first watched this episode for the first time. Way back when, I was like, oh, someone killed the cat. But then, of course, I went on different tangents after yeah, that. Yeah, interesting. Some, so yeah. it's a little bit of both. I got to find the article because um, I I, I kind of skimmed it. I didn't read that much into it at the time. I have it saved. I, I, should, uh, I should read again. I don't think it's too much insight. Maybe to link it in one of the pods or show notes, show notes or on the website or on our Daily DVR Facebook page, which you can join. Look us up, yes. Daily DVR, and you can join and talk about Mindhunter with us and tell us what shirt Tench was wearing. Um, and, but, and, and order that for me and I'll pay you. Yes. Or I'll pay you too. Um, for solo, happy birthday! Hey, <laughs> late oh, and cool. early. Late um, and early. So uh, I thought that was interesting, but I think there definitely is metaphor in everything. Is you know, and I think also having read a bit of on Fincher and interviews with him, he does like many great creators 
sometimes not exactly tell the truth when he's talking about where his inspiration and what something, you know, he, he really is a believer in kind of letting the audience decide that the experience is yours. And I respect that. So I kind of like that this was in the show. I think it's not exactly, I don't know if it a hundred percent worked, but I kind of respected those little touches in this season. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, and we could be the possibility of sh- she's living in a place she thinks her life's going a certain way. She's getting too comfortable mm-hmm. with sh- whether it's strangers or something, and then all of a sudden, whoa, 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 what what have I been doing? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know this cat. I mean, I know it, it not like that, but um, yeah, there's just so it's really deep. You can actually really, I mean, you could go around and around and come up with, everyone could come up with different ideas or different metaphors. And I, I got to say, most of them probably would sound fine to me. Yeah. Uh, it's more of like, you know, what do you think? So until but, they show the cat getting killed by Axel. But <laughs> my little Axel. Yeah. Little Axel's like, but, hey, um, kitty. <laughs> if, uh, I'll say one thing, though, the shots, this, the music, her acting, the mood, the silence, it worked for me. So yeah, I, I the, could watch her walking up the stairs yeah. and down the stairs all day long. That part totally works because she, it's an, you, inha- you feel like you're there. Take a little break to remind you of our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. You know, sometimes I just go over to Cufflinks.com, I look at their awesome products, and I say to myself, how lucky I am to have this amazing sponsor. They've got the coolest stuff over there. Man, I just got, you know what they sent me, and I'm going to be giving these away, some popcorn cufflinks. Listen to all our podcasts at DVRpodcast.com to find out how, but they've got awesome stuff over there. So go to cufflinks.com slash DVR and use code DVR20. They've got socks, ties, cufflinks, money clips, tie clips, so much cool stuff, uh, even like pocket squares, just any way to kind of make you look good. Those little touches always help. Don't forget the little details, baby, because cufflinks.com's got them for you. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code DVR20 and save 20% off your order. No minimum. One of the best parts about podcasting is getting to know the listeners and making new friends. And one of those friends is Andy. You may have heard me mention him before on one of our many podcasts. And Andy and his wife, Claire, are looking to adopt. So if you or anybody you know is considering adoption for their baby, please consider the loving family of Andrew and Claire. They're a home study approved adoptive family of three living on a farm in southern Minnesota with a dog, Barney, and two turtles. They're able to adopt from anywhere in the United States and would love to answer any questions you may have. To learn more about them, check out their Facebook page at Andrew and Claire Adopt or on Instagram at Andrew underscore and underscore Claire underscore adopt. You can also email them at Andrew and Claire Adopt at gmail.com. So again, if you or anyone you know is considering adoption for their baby, reach out at andrewandclaireadopt at gmail.com. Thanks. A new case comes in. Um, it's actually Smith who brings it to the attention of Tench. Um, Lisa Dawn Porter, a young majorette, I think she's about 12 or 13, was murdered 60 miles outside of Atlanta. And this is a great scene 
uh, because Holden and Tent kind of they they kind of guide Smith through it as he breaks it down, you know, and he and he's kind of they're kind of seeing is he picking up on what we're laying down, yeah, and he re- yeah. and he really is. He does a they. This is another really fun kind of investigative scene. Yeah, and, and aside from him being a snitch, um, he, uh, <laughs> I liked this scene. Uh, it was great because Holden is really like like egging him on, like teaching him, like getting him involved. Yeah. And then Bill comes in and helps him out too. And when he kind of discovers some of the details right and they're like, you know, give him the thumbs up, so to speak, he's just like, I mean, he's not fist pumping, but he's like, oh, my God. I, yeah, I just did this. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, this is a good one. And then we get um, Holden and Tencher on the case. So we get a really great, I love the titles, Adairsville, Georgia. Um, they meet up with the local sheriff. They're outside her house. They're looking around, doing their investigative work. And it doesn't take Bill too long to notice that the trees have been trimmed, which is, again, picking up. Bill is a great cop, right? He just picks up on everything. Whereas Holden is kind of sitting there thinking, why did the guy do it? Why? Right? Like what's his motive? And Bill is like, okay, we got to find the guy first. Well, you know what, you know, what's amazing too, Axel is how often do we look up? Yeah. We don't look up too often. We really don't. And when he looks up, he's like, huh, one of those trees, you know, it was like, what? It just sums up, like you said, how good of a detective he is or investigator um, because everyone always looks around, looks down. We don't look up often, you know? Yeah. So I love that. There's a great shot of that, too, where all three of them look up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Up in the air. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's super holding. It's a serial killer. Um. And then they have a they go they go to another little diner. Great shot, simple. I love diners in, oh, in shows and movies, man. Me too. And then Holden and Tench kind of talk their way through it. They find out the cop finds out, or the sheriff finds out that there was a guy who worked for the tree living company who had a history uh, in a rape case, and right away. They look at each other. They talk it out a little bit. The guy is kind of, again, they're doing their thing where they talk things out in front of someone else. And he's a bit in awe of them. You could tell. Um, And they've already got someone that they're going to investigate. His name is Daryl Gene Devier. Devier. We will hear more from him, but not in this episode. Yeah. You know, and I've been... I don't know if I've said this out loud or to myself, but well, I love the line when um, Holden's like, if he beats the polygraph, he'll think he's Superman. Yeah. And throughout this show, I look at Jonathan Groff, the actor, and I'm like, he would be a great new Superman. He's got the look. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know if Fincher has told him you'd be a great Superman or somebody, but <laughs> but I, I think what Henry Cavill has in looks, so does Groff, but I think... Uh, Groff acting wise could just bring that humanity back to Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Like Christopher Reeve, not the guy you think. Like Christopher Reeve. Yes. Yeah. 
that's why I'm like, dude, he'd be a great Superman. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that were to happen, if that's what he'd want to do. But how could you not? I mean, he's, he, he just reminds me of Christopher Reeve a lot, actually. But um, yeah. he has not that. so much. Oh, go ahead. Oh, like Brandon Routh really looked like him, but, um, but he's got, he's got, he reminds me of him, not look like Christopher Reeve, but has that char- potential charisma and just really, he's got it. He's got mm-hmm. that it factor. Yeah. And that humanity, which I think was lost from these big new Superman oh, yeah. movies where the kind of pain that you saw with Christopher Reeve of the burden of being Superman. Yes. You yes. Know? Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's great. You're right, dude. He would he would be a great Superman. He really um, would, man. But he's not Superman in this episode. <laughs> no, we, he's not. We are getting down to it now. Um, oh. We have a very successful trip out. And during this trip, Wendy and Shepard have a little conversation. Um, and their conversation is really about how Speck has now lodged a civil rights complaint against Holden and Tench, uh, and really their division here, their little group, for tossing the cell, them being paraded in front of the other prisoners. Exactly what Tench said, right, mm-hmm. is what he complains about. But he adds another part, which is what really got Shepard interested and which is what he and Wendy connect on, which is that Holden mind fucked him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because Wendy thinks, yeah, Wendy thinks it's going to be something about the Brutos thing in the shoe. Yeah. But (laughs) it's almost like, what, something else, you know, I don't know about. Yep. And uh, Shep, you could see Shepard's kind of, he's such a, he's a company man. And um, he just wants them to go through the proper channels. What he's really concerned about is that they follow procedure now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even a line, he says, these internal affairs types justify their existence by finding dirt. So that's what he's concerned about, right? How the FBI works, which is something and, and he never considers. Yeah. And Wendy's, I mean, she's not covering because she doesn't know yet, but she's sticking up for her team. Like, there's nothing else. Like, she's only knows what information she knows, whether, you know, then, of course, it changes. But, you know, she's not expecting, you know, anything else. Like, hey, I don't have anything else. We should be good. And, of course, nope. that is going to nope. change in about 10 seconds, isn't it, Axel? Yeah, yep. Um, Wendy comes back, she finds Holden and Tench, they're back, uh, from their little jaunt. And she says, Shepard wants everything. He wants you in his office. Now she explains what occurred with spec. Well, the OPR, yeah, the OPR, I'm sorry. You're right. The OPR wants, uh, wants to do immediately an interview with you and they want everything. She's sitting at her desk. Smith goes to grab the tape. Holden says they just need the transcript, right? Or he caught. Co- leave the tape. Yeah, leave the tape. We see that Wendy sees it. She listens to the tape. Oh yeah. So we know 
that <laughs> she's Shit's we kind go of down. know, yeah, that even during this whole interview in our minds, and I love the way they set this up, we know that Wendy now knows, and they're sitting there lying. The interview is cool and interesting. It's by the book. Even Smith uh, lies for them. And then it's kind of funny that the agents, as soon as they turn the tape recorder off, they break character and they're like, Speck, what oh, an yeah. asshole. You know, a yeah. scumbag. Scumbag, yeah. You know, and you understand that, oh, okay, that's so interesting the way, and with the tape recorder, it's so metaphoric for what they're doing with the interviews. And then they just, as soon as it's off, they break character and you understand that it really was for the benefit of the procedure. You know, um, yeah, and what and, and Greg lying, he actually, you know, Holden's like, "You're coming with us, Greg," and mm-hmm. he gets him again, part of the team, but also lying for the team. Yep, you know, yep. and so he, so yeah, which is maybe a way to maybe Holden is f- thinking the way we like. Okay, if he's gonna snitch. If I embroil him deep in a conspiracy, he can't snitch on me anymore because he has to snitch on himself. Yeah, and maybe that's what Holden's motive was. Yeah, that's all I can think about in that way. Like he's trying to manipulate him into not being able to be that snitch. But that's not going to work out because as soon as they get back... Shepherd and oh, great <laughs> Wendy are waiting for them. It's like your parents. The parents and your this, stuff. This is such a great scene. And um Shepherd, wow man, what a great actor. He just takes it over and they kind of go back and forth. Um, you know, what what uh, what's gonna happen here? And Holden is just completely arrogant the entire oh, time, ignoring Everything. I mean, dude, you just you just acted for the tape in the interview. You understood what was going on. How do you not understand what Shepard and Wendy are saying here? It doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> I was thinking of the scene, and I'm just like, you know, and and then Holden and Wendy kind of go at it, and he's not letting up he's just like we're doing amazing things well you know i started this team and you know and he's really being a a dick yeah um i mean he he he, i understand he believes what he believes but you're a unit now come on yeah it has nothing to do care yeah anything he's saying literally has zero to do with what they are saying he's like look at that board I, yeah. we just we just solved this case. We just solved this other case. It's like, dude, nobody's disputing you. You still work for the FBI. You have to follow procedure. Your entire investigative study is about procedures and how people yeah, get it. Yep, procedures. where your fundings come from and everything. Yeah, and he like, just you know Shepard. I was surprised too because you know Shepard's about protecting the unit, and he's like, okay, we're not gonna. No one's gonna get this tape. We're not gonna. You know, uh, just it stays with us. It dies here. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this is officially where Shepard really starts to hate Holden at the most. Yes. Like, I see it now. 
I see it. Cause I, I, you know, I wondered, and then I saw it building up, but right there, he doesn't completely show it because he even tells Greg, don't tell me Holden made me do it. Like he's pissed at everyone except Wendy and, and, and actually Bill's the one that comes in with the reason. Like he smoking his cigarette and is basically like lose the tape or yep. whatever he says, you know, exactly. don't, don't do it. And, and, and actually Shepard pauses, doesn't yell at Bill. And he's like, and he agrees with him just mm-hmm. by his look. And then of course what he says, but it's a great moment right there. And, you know, Bill's been around the block. Shepard's been around the block. Bill's not as old school as Shepard, but he's still got a lot of old school. He's like the, the bridge yep. to the new school, I guess. And, Boom, right there. It's just, okay, great. All right. And then, then I'm, you know, when I first watched this, I'm like, okay, the unit's coming together. And then and then I realize as much as it is, it really isn't. And I, I yeah. really hated, I personally, not hate it that it was bad, but the Wendy uh, Holden stuff really made me feel uncomfortable. Because for once, I mean, I agree with Wendy and I agree where she's coming from. Uh and I, I love the character, and you know we are Holden and Bill guys, but also you know I, I'd say I'm a Wendy guy too. I mean I like all yeah. three of them, but I was definitely on her side in this, like totally. Like she was saying legit exactly what she needed to say to get her point, and Holden just didn't give a damn, and it no. just it really bothered me. And I said, you know what? I hope he gets bit in the ass. Even though I still love you, Holden, it's time for you to you know a little kryptonite there and get a little weaker. Yeah, it's it's it, yeah, it, it it it's it's uh he's spinning out, man. He's definitely spinning out of control. Um and I I respected Wendy through this and she was like total transparency, give them the tape. This you know, yeah. and she's like saying, this is what we are learning about. This is what we are practicing. We must practice this. Yeah. And it's interesting perspective cuz she's not really she's FBI now, but she still considers herself from that academic world. Right. And mm-hmm. you have Holden who just doesn't give a shit and the bill and the tension shepherd kind of more FBI old guard. Um, and I, like you said, I love when Bill, you know, everything's going nuts. Right. And Bill's just smoking a cigarette in the doorway. Lose the <laughs> He's tape, the man. I love it's simple. Bill. Come on. We all understand what's <laughs> happening here. This is, this is procedure. It's just like when we faked upstairs when the recorder was on. And uh, like you said, they 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 end up following Shepard's. He's the leader. He's in charge. He says the tape goes away, and he also says, "I never again want to hear a tape where I can't distinguish between a criminal and one of my agents." Oh, great line! Hold on, there's a loud siren. <laughs> the cop. That was the cops coming the cop, for Shepard. I'll be down in a second. See? Wait, no, no, no. no. Nev- Send her up. Solo- Send her up. Hey, Mrs. Wade. <laughs> I never want to hear a podcast where I can't distinguish between a criminal and Heath Solo. They're coming to get you. <laughs> but then the stupid th- thing is, they they yeah. they go on and on about this. And again, Holden, who said Smith is uh, Smith is going to rat us out. They leave it up to him to get rid of the oh. tape. And, and, and what does he do, Axel? Puts it in an envelope, and he gives it up. So this is going to come back to haunt him. Dude, I would have grabbed that tape myself and yeah. put it in my pocket. Me too. I kept on thinking the whole... I was like, why does it hold in? Just take the tape, 
right in the office there, put it in while they're sitting down, ask Bill for directions to wherever, and then stop, and then that's done. You know what I mean? It's well, disappeared he, forever. Yeah, even Bill, I remember on the plane ride, too, not only lose the tape, but he even says, like, say it broke or or get rid of it. Like, yeah. he even says do that so you have nothing, like we, we had talked about. But I remember, I'm like, yeah, like you, I'm like, destroy the tape. And I'm like, yep. that's actually even what Bill said early on. I think he wants the attention. I think that that's what the writers are communicating to us. Right. Yeah. That in the same respect where the serial killers, some admit to it, some don't, but they all want attention. Right. And in, they want in, attention. In, yes. They want attention. <laughs> and, and Holden's getting it. He's getting uh, the wrong kind of attention. And, uh, He's acting very much like a like a teenager, you know, experimenting you, and testing the the boundaries. Yeah. Did you love that shot though of the darkness and the door closing slowly? Oh, oh this was great. Man. What was that song that plays? Oh, I got you too. Okay. The song is Mr. Axel Foley. I wouldn't want to be like you by the Alan Parsons Project. What a great song. Download it and it will be played on my DJ Solo Mine Hunter tribute. Awesome. To man. Deb's what an mix. episode. This was Ugh. another great one. We only have one yeah. episode left of the season, baby. I know, I know. I mean, it's just this this is the epitome of rewatchable. Yes. It really is. Mm-hmm. It's like a good book. It's like, you know, you know, watching Axel and his tidy whities on a fir- Thursday. I mean, it's just go. like, it's just, you could keep doing it. Keep, you know. Through the watching. window with binoculars from across the street. Yep. That's your way. Wait, Solo. you saw me? Mine, oh, my Hunter, baby. <laughs> whoa, whoa, oh. <laughs> I was watching you. Um, oh. Yeah. What it, yeah, dude, this really does have rewatchability. And I, I know, obviously, we've dedicated our time to podcasting. People have downloaded it. You all love this show. But it is worth mentioning yet again the depth of this, the quality across the board from the clothes to the props to the way it's shot, the way it's written, the way it's edited, the music, everything. This is a top-notch television show. And in both of our opinions, one of the best shows on television now. We're super excited to get this next episode like I said, we're going to take a little break and season two is like a bullet. So I'm sure we're going to, I think we might do more like two a day episode recordings for season two. Cause a lot of those blend together as well. Yeah. And you know, we'll figure that out. It's going to be yet yeah, not as in depth, but yet no one us Axel will find plenty to talk about. So That's the truth. Baby. Um, yeah. And you know, it's so bad cause I want to start season two now, but I, again, but I, I know I got I got to wait because I want to be fresh for the pod, <laughs> and I got plenty of shit to watch. But I'm just like I just want to keep going, and I, I you know it sucks that you know like season three maybe another year or two, um, but it, it's okay though because the way David Fincher creates I I don't want this rushed. Um, this is a type of show that could go on if it if it's done like this, I could see it for a good you know four or five seasons. I mean, granted, Definitely. I'd want ten. But that's too much. But like a good five season run would be mm-hmm. fantastic. Like the Y. That's exactly no. what I think. I think five would be oh. ideal. And Holden, uh, I forgot early on, he mentioned about 
the the serial killer interviews that they should be video archived. Wouldn't that be swell? Or he didn't say yeah. swell. And I'm like, oh my god! I'm like, I love these little drops, man, of of the future. And that that's one reason why I really like prequels. And it's not so much I like prequels when. You know what happened, and then they they show you. I just like that stuff, and we wanted that a lot at the end of Lost. Didn't get that, but that was just our fandom. So I like that knowing there's going to be all this stuff, but how they insert it into the narrative. That was a great catch. You're right. And then it was also funny, though, that it said in the midst of there being problems on his end with things being recorded. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. It's like, Imagine he's so if there oblivious. was a video of him saying that line, not just a tape. Yeah. Leaning and over. and cause, Yeah, because yeah, it's in the set of them walking out and, and you know, Bill's like, oh boy, we got to lose this tape. And yeah. Holden thinks it's the greatest thing that just happened. Crazy, man. So. This is great. All right. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Remember, go to DVRpodcast.com. Hit us up with an email at DVRpodcast at gmail.com. And you can become a member over at our Facebook group, Daily DVR. Also, become a patron, patreon.com slash DVR. Actually, just this week, dropped the old film list from the archives where Matt and Heath talk about the tomorrow people. So that's a great, actually it's public. If you want to check it out, you can go to our Patreon and listen to it. And you can also maybe consider becoming a patron solo. I'll let you take us out. Another great episode of mine hundred episode nine, of course, directed by our boy, David Fincher. And I'm excited for the finale. It's going to be a doozy, but Axel, I'm trying to warn you, man, your attitude is going to bite you in the ass. (laughs) 